everybody. How you doing? My name's uh, Eric. Welcome to E3. If you have a Bible and you want to open it up to Galatians chapter 5, that would be great. Um, if you don't, the, the words will be on the screen. I'm, I'm going to ask uh, Lindsay Durenberger to read the scripture. So if you guys would uh, just listen to her. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to, re to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important to faith is expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> I've learned a couple interesting things today. One is uh, I learned that how, how interesting and how challenging it is for a woman to uh, read the word circumcision repeatedly because... All, all day long, I've heard, I can't believe I have to read this word like five times. And I don't know if it's a guy thing or what. Um, so welcome. This is, uh, I don't even know what week we're, we're in, but we're talking about Galatians chapter 5 tonight. And um, I want to kind of, I don't, I'm not, I want to apologize for anything, but I just want to kind of tell you that this week, the preparation for this message this week has been different for me um, this message, I don't know if it will be all that different for the way you guys experience it, but it was different for me to prepare it. Um, and, I, and God said very early on in the message, preparation time, if you will, that I was supposed to do something and I was supposed to share something and, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I just want to kind of let you know that this has been a, a different sort of week for me. And, and God sort of said, uh, said that I was really supposed to try and talk as much from my heart in a kind of a plain way as I could. And, and for any of you guys that know me, like I'm not a very open person and I like to think of myself as, but I've had a few friendly voices in the community basically like, no, you're pretty much a mystery. Um, so I'm going to try and talk in a very just Eric way about some stuff. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about at least a part of this chapter, but uh, to, to kind of start off in a, in kind of a global contextual way to bring you up to speed, uh, if you guys remember where we are in, in Galatians and the law of grace, there's a church that's in this place called Galatia, Paul is a guy who starts it, 
And then Paul leaves because he, he leaves and goes to start other churches. And after he leaves, somebody comes into the community and basically is messing and twisting around and adding to Paul's message. So Paul comes in and says, the way to become a part of God's family, the way to be made right with God, the way to experience connection with other people and with God is basically to, to wrap your life around this man, Jesus. That's kind of the, the, the totality of Paul's message. And Paul leaves, and some people start rising up in the community, and they kind of essentially are saying, yes, but, yes, but, yes, and. So essentially they're saying, yeah, Jesus, but in addition to Jesus, if you want to be a part of God's family on, on earth, if you want to be made right with him, you really need to be circumcised. At which point all the men were like, well, I guess I'm out of that deal. So um, you have to be circumcised and you have to keep the law of Moses, the Mosaic law. So Paul finds out about this and he writes this letter and he is uh, pretty upset about it because he's really, really passionate about this gospel that he preaches. And we have, at this point, been through four chapters of Galatians, and we've heard Paul kind of uh, giving all sorts of examples and, and arguing and debating and, and encouraging. And now we come to this passage. And what you need to know about Paul and about virtually anybody who is educated in the ancient world is that they were educated uh, pretty intently in something called rhetoric, okay, which is how to construct an argument, how to shape a, a debate, shape a speech in such a way that they were going to convince you something. Rhetoric was like a really, really big deal in the ancient world. It was probably pretty boring from our standpoint, but everybody took it very, very seriously. And what you see in these 12 verses of Galatians is Paul's intensity of language. And this is a rhetorical device. It's not just an accident. I mean, Paul's angry, but he's also shaping an argument. So he starts using language like, you're going to be cut off from Jesus. At one point, he's like, I, Paul, am telling you this thing. Like he is embracing his argument with every ounce of intensity that he can muster. And he gets to the part, you know, where he's like, I wish these people who want to mutilate yourself by circumcision would go the whole way and just cut it off. And I hope I don't have to tell you what it is, but that's basically what he's saying. So he raises the intensity of his, of his language. And the reason why he does that is that rhetorically, He's calling this community to make a decision. He's basically saying, I've argued for four chapters or all this letter from all these different examples, and now it's time to make a decision, church. Are you going to continue to live in freedom, or are you going to go back to what he says is an inferior way of finding God? So he's calling them to a decision, and that's why the language is so intense, um, but what, when I started to prepare for this message, I read the, I read the passage and uh, there's, there's a lot in the passage, you know, a lot of interesting stuff in the language and context and history, but I stopped after the first verse. Okay. I got to the, to the first verse. Um, and it says, so Christ has truly set us free and now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. 
You might have heard it said another way. Another way you might have heard it said is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Paul just lays it down right there. And I don't highlight much in my Bible. I just, it's just, I, I used to. I don't do it as much anymore. But I highlighted that verse just from a personal standpoint. It just hit me like a, it hit me like a, just a ton of bricks. And also, I, I knew that like as much as I would like to preach the other 11 verses of that passage, I just couldn't. Like it just stopped right there. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to talk to people about that verse. I'm going to talk to you tonight about freedom. I'm going to talk to you tonight about what freedom looks like. And because Paul talks about it, he talks about it all in Galatians. Jesus talks about it. God talks about it. What is it? And are we experiencing it? And if we are, like, how do we get there? If you're not, maybe how do you take some steps towards it tonight? So that's kind of my, been my week and my time preparing I want to show you a picture of a movie poster. This is a movie called Amandla. And uh, the subtitle of the movie is A Revolution in Four-Part Harmony. This is a documentary I, I saw uh, years ago. And it is the story of essentially the South African resistance movement, the struggle to end apartheid. And it's particularly the role that that movement uh, or that, that music played uh, in that movement. So you just study like how these people who were fighting oppression used music and songs. Uh, for those of you who don't know, okay, brief history lessons just because it's me. Um, apartheid was a, a systemized, government-invented, government-sanctioned method in South Africa uh, of basically taking people, taking people of color who had lived in South Africa and stripping them of their South African citizenship and inventing new tribal lands, new countries that they were now forced to be a resident of. So you could have lived in South Africa for hundreds, thousands of years even. But when apartheid was introduced, it was basically you were stripped of your South African uh, citizenship. You were given a citizenship to a place you had never been before. And then you were told, if you want to be in the white part of South Africa, you have to have a passport. And, and along with that segregation comes all of the things that always accompany segregation, um, police brutality, denial of human rights, torture, uh, abuse, execution, on and on and on. So this started officially in 1948 and continued up to 1994. So in the, you know, in the midst of this, these people began to struggle and to push back against this injustice. And they used songs to remind each other of this is what we're doing and this is who we are and this is why we're doing what we're doing. And it's all different kinds of music. And it's a pretty cool documentary uh, if you want to spend. It's about an hour, 40 minutes long and everything. And uh, it's just an exposure to the way a group of people use this powerful medium of music to unite themselves. But it's also the story of the hunger for freedom. And Paul talks about it. And our country is founded on it, right? Right? Every year, we celebrate July 4th. Freedom is kind of like the bedrock, right, of our, 
of our country. We hear it kind of debated, you know, we're coming up to an election, so we're going to hear debates about what it, does freedom mean, you know, and the tension between who is free and how much freedom do we all get and what it all looks like. We talk about this all the time. And I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about what freedom means in our context. And we are North Americans, we're, uh, you know, we, we live in the Southeast, we have sort of these cultural ideas about freedom. And I want to put to you tonight, I want to suggest to you tonight, if I sat down and talked with a lot of you guys, you would say that a huge portion of freedom is choice. That freedom involves being able to make a choice and not being told what to do. So I got to thinking, like, well, what are some of the choices that we get to make because we're free? Um, an easy one, maybe, is uh, like the the choice we get to make about our career, right? So we don't have like a central government, a central agency that is basically saying, hey, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. We get freedom in this country to make our career choices. And we relish that. This is what it means to be an American, is basically say, I want to be an astronaut. Maybe I still do, I don't know. Another choice we get to make is, uh, I guess, a choice related on to consumption. And we, get to, we get to stock our houses with what we want. You know, and all day long, I've just been, again, this is just a, 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 I find these things to be interesting. You know, that, like, when I go to Walgreens, and I go shopping for underarm deodorant, I'm just like, there's too much underarm deodorant. Like, I can't choose. Like I could use a different one for a year every week and I would never get to the end of the underarm. And they're always coming out with new models of underarm. Like how could it be this interesting? But like part of living in our country is the fact that we can go to the grocery store and we can, we can consume any manner of, of whatever we want. We can put whatever kind of furniture in our houses we want. We can, we can consume and consume and consume and nobody really ever tells us to stop, Right? Another choice we get to make as uh, North Americans is, is finances, really. Like, we tell our money what to do. We pay some taxes, but nobody says, says hey, you know, make sure that you do this, make sure you do that. I'm going to tell you how much to save. I'm going to tell you, you know, okay, I'm married to a financial peace counselor, so my reality is a little different. I get told what to do with my money. But, <laughs> but this is a choice we get to make. We do with our money what we want to do with our money. And then lastly, a choice that we get to make is kind of how we sort of just what we, what we derive pleasure from. We get to choose, you know? Um, if you find like really good food to be something is pleasurable, um, then you can go eat food. It's a choice we get to make. You want to play video games for 30 hours a week? Do it. It's a choice you get to make. How you derive pleasure is your choice in this country. And this is what freedom looks like to us. This is how we define it. So the world is our oyster. We get to do with what we want. But a strange thing happens when you start to interact with freedom. Because in a sense, what we do is you know, when we get grown up or at some point, we start pouring pieces of our life into these buckets, right? So we have a career and we start 
pouring pieces of our life, we pour our resources into our career. Or we, we have like, you know, finances, we like to get stuff. So we might start pouring resources into this bucket called consumption. Or we might just be like really, really into the things that we enjoy. So we have this bucket called pleasure and we start pouring resources and pouring our lives into these buckets. And then a funny thing starts happening to these buckets because these buckets can get really big. And before you know it, like we're carrying around a bucket of a career that requires 70, 80 hours of of work. Or we may have poured so many resources into this bucket called pleasure, and then all of a sudden we realize, like, this is getting a little bit out of control. Like, maybe I enjoyed a drink after dinner, and now that drink has become five drinks, or seven drinks, or ten, or whatever. And then a funny thing starts to happen. Because these choices that we have in front of us and that we've made, like there might come a time when we're just like, you know what, the bucket's too big. Things are out of whack. And I need to walk away from this. And then the funny thing is, is like we may try to walk away and we may find that all of a sudden we can't. And we're like tethered to this thing. And I want to suggest to you tonight that the line between freedom and slavery is much thinner than you think. That the choices we make and we put, we make these choices, we pour our lives into them, and then one day we wake up and we're like, I can't stop. I can't stop working 70, 80 hours a week. I can't stop spending money on my credit card. I can't stop like looking at things I'm not supposed to look at. Uh, putting things into my body I'm not supposed to be putting into my body. But these were the choices we had. And so as I was thinking about this this week, because Paul says right here, Christ has truly set us free. And I just got to thinking, is this what freedom looks like? Because a lot of times this is what society says freedom is. Freedom is the ability to make infinite choices. But somehow those choices can become like slavery. You know, the, like to me, the definition of slavery is like when you can't leave. When you don't have a choice. That's the definition of slavery. And I know in times in my life, and I would say in, in, in a room and in a community like this, I say things like this all the time, there are people who are, this is their reality. That they can't leave these choices. And so I was just was stuck with this question of like, well, is this what freedom looks like to Paul? This is what freedom looks like to God? You know, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I've come, uh, if, if I set you free, you're going to be truly free. And is freedom these buckets that we carry around? Is there a freedom that maybe doesn't look like this? And so that's... Uh, That's what I want to unpack for us for just a second. Because I want to tell you, and I want to suggest to you, 
that there is a freedom that doesn't look like this. And that the freedom that Paul's thinking about doesn't really have to do with just sort of enslaving yourself to a, to a career, you know, that there's something else. So I want to spend some time talking about this. And the funny thing about it is that I'm going to give you three steps to freedom. And I don't believe that there are three steps to freedom. Okay? So I'm going to tell you there are three things you need to do to get free. And I'm going to tell you with my life, it is not this simple. But it is this simple. I'll let you unpack that later. I mean, basically what I'm trying to say is everything I'm about to tell you, I've told myself. And everything I'm about to tell you, I've struggled with. And everything I'm about to tell you, I have failed to do. And yet I know it's still this simple, okay? So that's what I'm trying to tell you. So the first thing, if you want to embrace freedom in, in your life, it's just this simple. You have to start off by just being honest, you know? You have to just basically get to the point where you're just like, um, I'm stuck. I'm tethered to something, and I can't get untethered. And in the church, we call this confession. It's kind of a woo word, but it doesn't have to be. It's just an agreement. I can't stop doing this thing. I made choices, and now these choices have flipped the script on me and are now have got me wrapped in. So you agree with God. God, I've become enslaved to something. And then I would suggest you pull aside a friend or, or a, a pastor or a growth group leader and say, I need help. I need help. Something has got control of me and I need to help. I need you to help me with it. So be honest. That's the first step. For some of us, that's a, that's a huge step. And, and that's why I say this isn't simple. Now, the second step to me has got a story associated with it. So I want to tell you um, not, not necessarily a story about me. It's a story out of the Bible. But I love it. Now, my growth group has been going through the book of Exodus. I love the book of Exodus. It's, it's just, it's epic. It's so, uh, just, it's so intense. And the second step to being free is found uh, in, early in the book of Exodus, chapter 14. Let me, let me set the, set the uh, scene for you, so to speak. So, God's people are enslaved. Okay? They're, slave, they're enslaved by Egypt. A guy named Pharaoh. They cry out to God. God acts and essentially gives them the opportunity to be free. So, when that opportunity comes, Israel starts running. Man, the door is open and they are gone. And they're running and they're running and they're getting away from Egypt and everything is looking cool until they come up against the shore of, the Bible calls the Red Sea, the Sea of Reeds. It's a body of water that is too big to wade across. Okay? Now, in the meantime, Pharaoh has changed his mind. He's like, hey, remember all those slaves? Let's go get them back. So Egypt 
or Israel is stuck looking at this body of water while coming on their heels is the most technologically advanced military power of their time. And they are coming and they are loaded for bear and they are coming for blood. So Israel stands between a rock and a hard place and they have been promised that God will set them free, but things ain't looking so good right now. So I want you to hear what the words of Moses were to Israel and to us today. Moses says this in verse 13. He tells the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And this is so awesome. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So the second thing or the second step in embracing freedom, right, is to choose to let God fight. You guys seen like, I've been watching the Olympics, you know, if you've seen the placards from World War II, you know, keep calm and carry on. You know, like we're called to keep on, uh, we're told to keep calm and let God fight, okay? What this looks like to me uh, is, this sounds churchy, but I really believe it. Like at, a, at their core, uh, these are all Jesus problems, you know, at the core, our, our problems with things that, are, that we're attached to are they're spiritual problems. And I don't mean like that in the churchy way of just like, well, we'll pray for you and it'll be all right. No, I don't mean that that way. What I mean is that the solution is not to craft a better budget. The solution is not to quit your job and go find a job that maybe won't ask you to work 70 hours a week. The solution is not to set rigid boundaries. Because that's exactly what Paul's saying not to do. Paul's saying, like, you're called for freedom. What I mean by that is that we have to, we have to get to a place in our life where we are willing to make space for God to work in our lives to change us. The point is not for us to do the fighting, even though there are good things that we can do. The point is for us to arrange our lives in such a way that God, through his Holy Spirit, is dwelling in us. And I'm sorry I'm using church language, but we are a church. That the Holy Spirit will dwell in us in such a way that his presence does the fighting for us. So the second step is basically to acknowledge like every problem in it, at its heart is a Jesus problem. And our, and our thing is not to craft another system of living. It's to let God do the fighting for us by arranging our lives in such a way that his presence can be felt in our lives. The third step is kind of interesting because the third step is just to stay free. You know, once you're free, our job is to stay free. But this, uh, this is where the rub is, okay? Because check this out. Let me remind you, Israel is on the banks of the Red Sea. God shows up 
parts the Red Sea. They walk through. The, most, uh, the strongest empire in that region is essentially um, the forces there are decimated and Israel goes free. Okay? Pretty, pretty intense miracle stuff, right? You've just been set free. You've been set free. You've been liberated by God. Chapter 15 of Exodus, Israel celebrating. Our God's awesome. Singing, they're probably singing that Chris Tomlin song really, really well too. And, and, and they're like, this is awesome. But then guess what happens? Israel gets hungry. And in chapter 16, just two chapters, Israel, chapter 16, listen to what they say. They're hungry. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Bread. But now that you have brought, now you, Moses, have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. And the book of Exodus is filled with this. Where Egypt is, or Israel is constantly going, you know what we'd actually like to do, Moses? We'd actually like to go back to Egypt. Because the life we're living now doesn't feel so hot. And here's what I will tell you about staying free. That slavery is nothing but if predictable. So when you get free of stuff, you're going to be tempted to look back at the things you left behind and go, but I know that game. I know the career game. I know the, the, the credit card game. I know the, the game of, of, you know, kind of sin and then repent. Like, I know what that feels like, God. And you're calling me to this wilderness that is unfamiliar to me. And let me tell you, you will want to go back to Egypt. Because Egypt, Egypt is what you know. So the third step in staying free is, just be, is, is to just stay that way. And don't go back. And, and the thing is, is that it's hard, you know, like there's a, uh, you know, any like psych majors or people who took psychology, Stockholm syndrome, right? The Stockholm syndrome is this syndrome whereby people ha come to have positive, if they've been abducted or they've been kidnapped or held captive, they come to identify with their captors so much that they have these positive, actual positive feelings toward them. And a lot of us would look towards this, these buckets in our lives and we're like, Eh, it wasn't so bad. I kind of knew that game. I know what's expected of me. The wilderness is uncomfortable. But that's an inferior way to live. And that's not what Paul's calling us to. So here's the deal, though. I want to kind of pause. Because uh, there's something that I was, as I was preparing this uh, talk, I was just thinking, like, Something called, I always call it, it's a dirty little secret. A dirty little secret about the life of faith. Okay, so get ready. You're get, about to get some, like, secret stuff, right? Secret Christian juju. Um, there's, a, there's a secret about freedom with our faith. And the secret is told, essentially, again, in the book of Exodus. Because after Exodus 14 happens and the Red Sea happens, God brings his people to Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 and Exodus 20. And in Exodus 19 and 20, God says certain things and he gives information to his people. And it basically goes like this. God starts talking and he says, I am the Lord your God. He says, this is who I am. 
And then he says, I brought you out of Egypt where you were in slavery. This is what I've done. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. Here's how I want you to live. Okay? This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is the way I want you to live. Now, as scholars began to look at the language that's in Exodus 19 to 20, they found an interesting thing. They found great similarities between the language in Exodus 19 and 20 and the language of kings in the ancient Near East that they would use when they conquered another king. The king, the winning king, the winning side would say, this is who I am, I'm, you know, King Zach. And this is who I've done. I've defeated all these other people. And now I, Zach, am telling you, this is the way you live. And essentially what they've come to the conclusion is that Exodus 19 and 20 in Mount Sinai is essentially a transfer of ownership and a transfer of loyalty from Pharaoh who enslaved his people to God. And God saying, I conquered that king. And now, you're mine. And let me put it this way. Um, I hope this doesn't like, kind of like jack with people too much. But it's basically this. When God set us free, or when he sets us free, he doesn't set us free for the infinite amount of North American cultural choices that we have. God sets us free so that we can be slaves to his agenda in the world. And his agenda is the world essentially this. So we have these buckets. God gives us different buckets, right? And his agenda is basically this. This is the way we would say it at E3. Love God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is what we've now become enslaved to. The second one is love others as yourself. So God has said, that old guy, Pharaoh, like I've, I've, I've conquered him, it's done but you're not free to choose how you want to spend all your money. You're not free to consume what you want to consume. You're not free to do any infinite number of things that our culture might tell us to do because you're my people. I'm your king. And these are the things that I'm giving you to do. Now, luckily, these are good things. Luckily, like, we're told that this leads to a rich and satisfying life. So the dirty little secret is that if you look at the way our culture defines freedom, we ain't free. We're merely the people of God in the world with a particular set of choices in front of us. Love God, love others. That's the dirty little secret. This stuff is not the way to live, okay? So that's essentially the, the steps to freedom. Admit, confess, be honest, whatever language you want to use. I've got a problem. Second step, let God do the fighting. Every problem is a spiritual problem. You have to just not just come up with a new system of living. You have to arrange your life in such a way that God dwells in you and does the fighting for you. And the third thing, is you have to fight the tendency to want to go back to Egypt. Now, I told you that you know, God sort of said I had to do a certain thing, I had to, something I had to say, something I had to do with this talk. And, and 
It was just absolute clarity. And so the thing is, is I have to end this way. And that is I have to talk to people uh, because I know for us, and I, I, I say us, I mean us. I don't mean like when the president says us or we, like this is, a, <laughs> this is an honest us because this is my story, okay? This is my story. Um, you know, I want to talk to those of us in this room who would say, I'm, I, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I can't break these chains, okay? I want to talk. Uh, actually, I don't want to talk. I want to do something completely different. Um, because I've had seasons in my life where maybe I've been a little bit more free than others, but I've had seasons in my life where I've been absolutely bound, absolutely bound. I knew God loved me, but I knew this was not the life that he had, he had come to give me. And I know there are those of us in this community who feel absolutely handcuffed, chained to something. And we have tried to get free and we can't. You guys know me at all. You know music is my heart language. The thing that God told me I needed to do is I needed to, I needed to sing a song for, for you, for us tonight. There's a song that I have had in my mind for, not in my mind, I heard it 20 years ago. And uh, it's a song that resonates. You know, we started talking about the role of music in freedom fights. And this is all this is. This is just an offering of a song in a fight for freedom. It's a song by, uh, uh, written by a guy named Jimmy Cliff, who is actually a, kind of a reggae R&B soul guy from the 60s and 70s. That's probably 70s. And um, the boss, Springsteen, Bruce covered it in the 80s, and this is the version I heard. So I'm going to sing it for us tonight, and I want to sing it with the idea that maybe this, is, this has been my story, maybe it's your story tonight, or maybe it's a friend of your story. And um, I just, this is what God told me to do that this needed to be played and, and heard. I'm going to ask you now, like, not to clap um, when it's over, just because it's not offered in that spirit. So, um, anyway. Well, it seems like I'm caught up in your trap again And it seems like I'm wearing the same old chains Good will conquer evil And the truth will set me free And I know someday I'll find the key Yeah, I know somewhere I'll find well, it seems like I've been playing your game way too long And it seems a game I've played has made you strong But when the game is over, I won't walk out a loser And I know that I'll walk out of here again yeah, I know someday I'll walk out of here again But now I'm 
seems like I've been sleeping in your bed too long And it seems like you've been meaning to do me harm But I'll teach my eyes to see beyond these walls in front of me And I know that I'll walk out of here again Yeah, I know someday I'll walk out of here again But now I'm trapped Oh, yeah, yeah Trapped Oh, yeah, yeah Trapped Playing your game way too long And it seems the game I've played Has made you strong Because I'm trapped sung that song to myself hundreds of times in my life, thousands of times. And I think the reason I love it so much and the reason maybe God told me to, to sing it and share it with you guys tonight is because there's a certain element of defeat in that song. You know, the chorus is just, I'm trapped. I'm trapped. And, and this game that I've been playing has made you strong. But there's such a defiance in it as well. You know, when he says, someday I will walk out of here again. I'm going to teach my eyes to see beyond these walls in front of me. And if you feel trapped, if you feel like, man, this is my life. Like, my life is, I can't get over these things. I can't get away from these buckets. I think the thing that I would ask you to be willing to do is to hope one more time. To embrace the idea that you can teach your eyes to see beyond the walls in front of you. And that you can walk out of this. And I, like I said, I had seasons in my life where, where uh, I felt free and I've had seasons that I haven't felt so free. But I know one day I'm going to walk out of this and I'm going to shut the door and I really am going to be free. And that's why I want you guys to know. Um, and that's why we sing, not just this song, but sing songs like These Hard Times. Because we're a community that sings freedom songs with each other and for each other. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. Um, and we're going to pray together. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, we set this series up as a... Uh, 
uh, desiring to have a conversation with you guys. And so, you know, there's a hashtag on Twitter, Law of Grace. You can tweet at me. Um, yeah, there, me and you know, Dan, all of our stuff's in the fridge folder, E3 right now. I've put the lyrics for the song up and a perf- and the performance by Springsteen up on my website. That's it. So you can go there and check it out. But for now, uh, let's bow our heads and just, God, this, this freedom stuff is no light business, you know, and God, we're just in so much need, including me, including, you know, everybody, you know, just because we're pastors doesn't mean we're perfect. So God, I pray that everybody in this room would realize that we're all in this together. I pray that we would um, somehow find the courage if, if we're somewhere where we're just trapped and enslaved by something that we might take a step to be honest with ourselves and with a friend and that we might also take some steps to let you do the fighting for us God and we're so weak compared to our troubles and for God for those of us who are having trouble staying away from Egypt God I pray that you would just help us embrace the wilderness for what it is which is a journey to peace and wholeness. God, I pray that you would encourage us through your Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would also remind us that we're not free to make the choices that our culture tells us to make, but we're free to love others and to love you. We're free to be, to be servants of you, and that's a good thing. So God, send us out of here. Love us, encourage us, help us to be the church for the world and for each other pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ for the sake of his kingdom. All God's people said, amen. You guys have a great week.